Welcome to the Publishers Podcast, your place for psychiatry soundbites. Hi, I'm John Shelton, publisher of the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry. In this episode, I'll bring you up to date on our latest online selections of important peer-reviewed research and reviews for Part 1 of our July-August 2020 issue. This month, we also feature a new academic highlight section, as well as a new series of online poster sessions. Let's get started. The COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting quarantine have affected everyone by now. But how are they transforming the delivery of mental health care? Go online to read a variety of perspectives on COVID-19, including first-person accounts from physicians in France, Italy, and India, as well as case reports and thought-provoking commentaries on how the pandemic is impacting psychiatry and mental health. These offerings are freely available. Visit us at psychiatrist.com and search on the keyword COVID-19. Some people with depression respond to antidepressants much better than others. A previous study suggested that individuals who experience loss of interest and are inactive may not respond well to commonly used antidepressants. Most individuals eventually find an effective treatment, but there is a significant personal and societal cost attached to the delay in reaching remission. In this Canadian Biomarker Integration Network in Depression trial, sponsored by the Ontario Brain Institute and freely available online, participants with major depression were treated in two eight-week phases. Outcomes were measured with the Montgomery-Asberg Depression Rating Scale every two weeks. In phase one, participants received escitalopram, a commonly used antidepressant acting on serotonin. The results confirmed a previous finding that those with profound loss of interest and reduced activity responded poorly. In phase two, those who did not respond to escitalopram received an additional treatment with aripiprazole, an adjunctive medication that modulates brain dopamine. The authors observed that individuals with profound loss of interest and reduced activity responded well to the adjunctive treatment with aripiprazole. This study suggests that an easy-to-obtain measure of depressive symptoms can indicate who needs which treatment for depression. People with relatively preserved interest and activity are likely to respond to a serotonin-enhancing antidepressant such as escitalopram. But those who experience loss of interest and activity as part of their depression may require adjunctive treatment with dopamine-enhancing medication such as aripiprazole. In this systematic review, which is freely available online, the authors aim to determine the effect of antidepressant discontinuation on the risk of depression relapse during pregnancy. Medline, Embase, Synol, and PsychInfo were searched from the inception of each database through March 2019 for original English-language studies. The authors reviewed those studies that involved pregnant women who discontinued antidepressants during preconception, three months prior to pregnancy, or pregnancy and examined depression relapse during pregnancy, that is, the reemergence of depression or reintroduction of medication. A total of 2,172 records were identified and 37 articles were reviewed. 
Eight studies met the inclusion criteria, six of which fulfilled the quality criteria, and four of which provided data for the meta-analysis. The authors found that overall, the risk of depression relapse during pregnancy did not increase for women who discontinued antidepressants, compared with those who did not. However, they found that in populations with more severe depression, the risk of relapse was significantly higher than the risk in populations suggestive of mild or moderate depression severity. The authors conclude that women with severe depression should be informed about the increased risk of relapse following antidepressant discontinuation, and those who discontinue antidepressants should be monitored for relapse. Antipsychotic drugs are known to increase mortality among patients with dementia. Still, many dementia patients with behavioral symptoms are treated with antipsychotics, as well as combinations of antipsychotics with other psychotropic drugs such as benzodiazepines and antidepressants. In this study, supported by the Danish government and freely available online, researchers investigated the mortality risk associated with antipsychotics alone and in combination with benzodiazepines and antidepressants among patients with dementia. The authors examined nationwide registry data on all new diagnosed dementia patients in Denmark during a five-year period from 2009 to 2013. Dementia patients who initiated antipsychotic treatment after the diagnosis of dementia were included in the cohort analysis. The authors compared the 180-day mortality risk for dementia patients during periods of antipsychotic treatment alone with periods of antipsychotic treatment in combination with benzodiazepines or antidepressants. Results showed that the combination of antipsychotics and benzodiazepines was associated with more than twice the risk of death compared with treatment with antipsychotics only. On the other hand, the combination of antipsychotics and antidepressants was associated with a 39% decreased risk of death. These findings may be due to a direct drug-related effect. Causality cannot be established, however, clinicians should be cautious when considering the combination of antipsychotics and benzodiazepines in patients with dementia. For patients with severe behavioral symptoms, clinical guidelines may be needed to address risk-benefit assessment for the prescribing of antipsychotics in combination with other psychotropic drugs. There are few augmentation therapies available for patients with major depressive disorder, or MDD, who are resistant to traditional antidepressant therapy. The neuroactive steroid, allopregnanolone, is a positive allosteric modulator of GABA-A receptors and a potential treatment for mood disorders. In this pilot study, with fundings from the National Institute of Health, the authors aim to determine whether ganaxalone, an oral allopregnanolone analog may be an effective adjunctive therapy for postmenopausal women with persistent depression despite adequate antidepressant treatment. The authors studied 10 postmenopausal women with persistent MDD, defined as a Montgomery Asberg Depression Rating Scale or MADRIS score of 16 or higher despite treatment with an adequately dosed antidepressant for at least six weeks. 
Open-label ganaxolone at a maximum dose of 450 milligrams twice daily was administered for eight weeks, followed by a two-week taper. The primary endpoint was mean total MADRAS score, which decreased from 24.4 at baseline to 12.8 at eight weeks. This decrease persisted over the two-week taper. A total of 44% of subjects experienced remission defined as a final MADRAS score less than 10. Secondary endpoints related to sleep showed significant improvement, including the MADRAS reduced sleep subscale. All subjects experienced sleepiness and fatigue. In this open-label, uncontrolled pilot study, adjunctive ganaxolone appeared to exert antidepressant effects but produce sedation with twice-daily dosing. Ganaxolone may also improve sleep, which may be useful in patients with depression and insomnia. The authors conclude that randomized placebo-controlled trials are warranted to assess the antidepressant effects of oral ganaxolone augmentation therapy in patients with depression. Perhaps with evening dosing, that may optimize improvements in sleep and reduce daytime side effects. Current treatment for depression leads to remission for only a third of patients, and so there is an urgent need to identify effective treatments for the two-thirds of patients who experience initial treatment failure. In 2017, the Department of Veterans Affairs Cooperative Studies Program published a landmark study showing that augmentation with either an antipsychotic, aripiprazole, or another antidepressant, bupropion, led to better results than switching to a new antidepressant. In addition, on some outcome measures, adding aripiprazole did better than adding another antidepressant. However, almost half of the patients in that study also had post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, as one might expect in a sample of military veterans. In the current study, supported by the Department of Veterans Affairs, researchers compared three next-step treatment options in over 1,500 veterans with non-psychotic major depressive disorder, some with and some without concurrent PTSD, who had suboptimal response to adequate antidepressants. Options included switching to bupropion, augmenting the current antidepressant with bupropion, and augmenting with aripiprazole. Two results stood out. First, veterans with comorbid PTSD had uniformly worse outcomes than those with major depression alone. Second, the differential effects of adding an antipsychotic or adding another antidepressant were unchanged. That is, the additional benefits of adding a treatment as compared to switching to a new treatment were sustained, as were the advantages of adding an antipsychotic as compared to adding an antidepressant. Unfortunately, the differences were not very large. Nevertheless, although PTSD was associated with poor overall outcomes, the presence of concurrent PTSD among veterans did not affect the comparative effectiveness of medications on response, remission, or relapse after initial remission. In patients with bipolar disorder, treatment non-adherence often stands in the way of long-term wellness. 
In a recent roundtable meeting, four experts discussed functional impairment in bipolar disorder, the use of a long-acting injectable antipsychotic earlier in the illness course, and the characteristics of patients who may be good candidates for long-acting injectable antipsychotic treatment. Learn from the experts in a new Academic Highlights article supported by Otsuka Pharmaceutical Development and Commercialization, Inc. and Lundbeck. To read this Academic Highlights, please visit the JCP website at psychiatrist.com. Trials with novel antidepressant medications such as ketamine have changed our expectation of the time to antidepressant effect. Yet, despite tremendous progress, challenges have arisen in the investigation of these interventions. A recent ASCP Corner article that is freely available online looks at successes and setbacks. Physicians Postgraduate Press brings the exhibit hall to you in our new series of online poster sessions. Learn about two drugs from Axome in Phase 3 testing. One that's a unique combination drug for the acute treatment of migraine, and one for major depressive disorder that is an oral NMDA receptor antagonist with multimodal activity. And new from Ironshore, find out how to convert dosing from the standard daytime-dosed methylphenidate to the evening dose, Jornet PM, the first delayed and extended-release methylphenidate tablet taken in the evening. This evening dose tablet is designed to provide clinically meaningful treatment effect upon wakening through to the evening. Visit us at psychiatrist.com to explore the most up-to-date research about new drugs, new indications, and new perspectives. In closing, be sure to visit us online at psychiatrist.com to view the newest online offerings from Part 1 of the July-August 2020 issue and at cmeinstitute.com to explore interactive activities and earn free CME credit. Thanks for listening. This is John Shelton signing off. I hope you will join me next month for the publisher's podcast, Your Place for Psychiatry Soundbites.